I pray for businessmen and women, Lord, that you would bless their businesses. Give them opportunities. Lord, financially, let us live in the land of Goshen. Regardless of what's happening in the nation, I pray, Father, that your people would be blessed and they would have light in their house and they would have bread in their kitchen. I pray, Heavenly Father, that the people of God would be enormously blessed during this season, that there would be no lack nor want. I pray that there would be no fear, nor dread, nor worry, but a safe confidence that your hand of provision and protection is upon us. In Jesus' name, and everybody say yes. yes. Give the Lord a hand praise, and then you may be seated. If you're a guest, be sure and turn in that uh, connection card, tear that portion off, drop it in the buckets when they go by. Thank you again for being here today. Thank the Lord. <clears throat> While we were gone, life teams have commenced. God bless all of you life team leaders. I hope you're plugged in and involved in your life team. We have some dynamic um, uh, classes going on, a, an array of subjects uh, that you can take advantage of, wonderful people to meet and fellowship with, to be ministered to and to minister to others. Ministry takes place at a peak in your life team. So thank you for that. God bless you. Stay plugged in. It's vital to what God is doing in your life and in our church. Thank the Lord. And of course, uh, this um, is um, a season when God is focusing on our marriages. And I'm asking every married couple to go to, uh, with us to the X and O Marriage Confidence next Saturday. Every marriage invest one Saturday and a few simple dollars in your marriage. Um, the longer it's been since you've been to this type of event, the more important it is that you go with us next Saturday. So just complimenting what Pastor Renee said, I'd encourage all of you that are married to make sure next Saturday you're a part of that. You won't be disappointed. Thank the Lord. It's great to see um, Pastor Michelle Moore with us and Nihal. God bless both of these ladies, as you've already heard. Um, they were our host in Turkey and just made us uh, so welcome and had such a great time. We love them so very, very much. Mark and Michelle are from here in the United States. They've been in Turkey now for 12 years. Uh, the church therein is in the old city of Ephesus that you read about in the Bible. And uh, they have a great congregation there. We worshiped with them last Sunday, met their wonderful congregation, and they're just doing a great job for the Lord. And, you know, uh, we just happened to be there at a time when they're shifting and moving forward. They've rented a new facility to open up a Bible training center uh, starting this January and brand new offices they're moving into. And so uh, it's a great day for shifting, and uh, we celebrate with you. Uh, so many good things are happening there. And then they, um, they carried us to the city of Izmir, which is just, um, you know, about an hour away. And uh, we met with a wonderful group of Iranian refugees that are in the nation of Turkey, having fled their homeland, waiting to be dispersed by the United Nations to various countries of the world that will receive them as refugees. But they are wonderful believers in Jesus. And um, they have fled 
their countries for the freedom to worship and live out their faith. And they were so passionate in their worship, so pure in their love for God. It was so refreshing. We gathered in a, a basement, packed in there as tight as we could possibly be, and had the greatest worship service and a wonderful time of ministry. And it was just refreshing. And most of these people, the, the pastor told us, was um, new believers, just grounding them faith in the Lord and, and, and a life on hold, not knowing what tomorrow brings, but still excited about the Lord. The biggest smiles, the happiest faces, and um, it's just, um, it was a great experience for us, and we really feel like there was a connection made in the Spirit. The pastor, um, a young man that uh, was arrested twice for preaching the gospel in his homeland, and when the order was given for him to be arrested the third time, they were able to get him out of the country so uh, he wouldn't be confined in prison for the rest of his life. Here's a man that's paid a price for his faith and his ministry. And um, so um, we'll be praying for them and communicating with them because I just believe that uh, God wants to help. You know, when you look at this refugee crisis up close, it touches you deep in your heart. You just can't turn your head from it. And so uh, we had a great time. But one more thing, and then i got to start preaching here this morning. Um, Michelle took us to the, to the ancient ruins of the city of Ephesus. And for an entire day, she carried us to some of the most exciting sites that I've ever been in my life as we uh, went back to the very spot where the Apostle Paul and the first century giants of the church ministered, lived, and worked. Um, and it was just such an exciting day. They, they have um, recovered the ruins and rebuilt the city. And uh, we walked right down the main street where Paul and Timothy and Luke and, I mean, the real guys walked right down the same street. And uh, in the 20th book of, of chapter of Acts, it talks about how there was a riot. And um, they gathered in the theater um, and were, were going to um, arrest the apostle Paul who was there. And uh, we got to walk down the very street where the riot was initiated and the, the course that they traveled to get to the theater. And the theater is still there. And Renee and I got to sit right in the theater where all of that took place. Uh, the floor of that theater is stained with the blood of our brothers and sisters in Christ that gave their life for their faith. And uh, that was such a moving moment. You know, um, Howard, I I've read every historical book I can on that, but there was nothing like standing there and being in the middle of it. And uh, maybe I'll talk to you about that. I, I'm putting some pictures we took together, and maybe I can show you that on Wednesday night and talk to you about it some. And then Mark, uh, Michelle's husband, took us down to um, Laodicea, the ancient ruins. You might recall Laodicea is one of the seven churches of Asia that the Apostle John wrote to in the Revelation. And so we got to go to Laodicea and then the adjacent city, which is Heropolis. And I stood where the evangelist Philip was crucified and martyred for his faith in 80 AD. And um, we got to be at the place where the early first century Christians lived and worked for God. 
And so, you know, as a Bible student and teacher, that was a great experience and uh, really marvelous. And one more thing I want to tell you, just because I'm excited about it, I, I, I know <laughs> i got to get started preaching here, but um, anyway, so we went to um, Athens, Greece, and uh, we, we were on a cruise, and it was kind of a mixture of education and fun, and it was a wonderful blend of relaxation and education and ministry. Couldn't have been any better. And so on one of the stops on the cruise, we went to Athens. And so in the 17th chapter of the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul goes into Athens and he sits on Mars Hill, which is a small, solid rock, um, mountainous place, and where he confronted the Greek philosophers of his day and preached one of the most powerful and notorious messages in the New Testament. And so Renee and I climbed up on the rock, the, Mar, the, Mount, the, the Mars Hill, and uh, sat there right where the Apostle Paul would have delivered that message 2,000 years ago. Man, that was quite a treat. I wish you all could have been there. Um, it was like going back to the Bible. So anyway, it was a lot of fun and very educational, and maybe I can share some of that with you on upcoming Wednesday nights, but I want to thank our leaders, um, Pastor Durvin and all of our leaders for doing a great job carrying this church while in our absence. Thank you so very much. God bless you for your faithfulness. Are you ready to open the scripture today? A few months ago, I really felt that the Lord wanted to do something this fall concerning our covenant relationships with an emphasis on the marriage covenant. And that became the inspiration for the, um, the series that we begin today on living the good life. How many of you want to live the good life? And it is a series on covenant relationships that starts with our covenant with God, the covenant of our salvation, and then of course our marriage covenants, which we will deal with uh, on the last Sunday uh, of the series. Um, but I want to talk to you about how to live the good life. Everybody wants to live the good life. What is the good life? Well, you know, the world has an answer for that, a myriad of offers about how you can live the best life that you can live. Most of the world's options are miserable failures. But there is one key to living the best life you can live and that is learning how to live a covenant lifestyle. First of all, you have to be in covenant with the Lord God through Jesus Christ. Secondly, you have to learn how to build covenant relationships around you. You see, life is not anything if you don't have meaningful, healthy relationships around you. Starting with your relationship with God, but extending to your spouse, your immediate family, close friends, and destiny relationships that God puts in your life. Each of these is what a good life grows out of. Have you ever known anyone that seemed to have every good thing working for them, except maybe something was wrong in their marriage or their family? And all of the success and all the accolades of their peers could not counterbalance the misery and the heartache that they may be experiencing relationally. But you know, when there's things right in your relationships, a good life can grow out of that. 
And whether you reach the peak, the pinnacle of your career, the peak of success, whatever you're aiming for, if your relationships are good, you can live the good life. I've never been poor, thankfully. Uh, my father and mother's mother was raised in a very poor American environment. But you know, they had happiness growing up, and they built happiness into all of us. Because money doesn't necessarily make you happy. But great relationships are guaranteed to make you happy in life and give you the best life that you could possibly have. This book is a book about covenant. It's divided into two sections, the Old and the New Testament. And the word testament is also the word covenants. And so this book is all about how to live in covenant with God and how to live in covenant with other people. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28, there's a few verses where God describes the good life he wants us to live in covenant with him. And I want to read some of them, and hopefully it will characterize for you uh, the kind of relationship God wants with each of us and the kind of life he wants us to live. In verse 1, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commandments that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. And then he begins to list some of them for us. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he swore he would do. Then he continues for a num the rest of that chapter. We go to 29 and 1, and he sums it up like this. These are the terms of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites while they were in the land of Moab, in addition to the covenant he made with them at Mount Sinai. And so in these verses, God was describing the kind of covenant relationship he wanted to have with them, and as a result, the covenant lifestyle that they would be living. So I want to talk to you about covenant. I realize that covenant is not really a, a modern term and therefore not really a modern concept. We're going to the Bible to pull out one of the great jewels of truth, pull out one of the great truths of the Bible that have the ability to transform our lives and make us and give us the opportunity to live what truly is a good life. Now, in general, a covenant is a solemn agreement between two parties for the purpose of creating and maintaining a healthy and mutually beneficial relationship. And so a covenant is a pact. It's an agreement. <coughs> it's a commitment you make to building a healthy, fruitful, mutually beneficial relationship. It's not something that is if it works, it's something that you commit to to make work. 
Now, there are a number of kinds of covenants in the Bible and in the world. The most deep covenant, the covenant of our salvation, is called a blood covenant. The only other covenant in life that you and I are familiar with in modern America is the blood covenant of marriage. And as we go on, I'll talk to you about how marriage is a blood covenant. Here is a blood covenant. It's the deepest, uh, most binding relationship you can get into. It's the covenant of our salvation. A blood covenant between two parties is the closest, the most enduring, the most solemn, and the most sacred of all contracts. It absolutely cannot be broken. When you enter into a blood covenant with someone, you promise to give them your life, your love, your protection forever till death should part you. So covenant relationship starts with God. It extends to our spouse and those people that God adds to us around us. And we learn to live a, a covenant lifestyle. And when you live a covenant lifestyle, automatically you're living on a higher level and you're opening, may open yourself up to a better life than you could possibly live without it. And that's what this series is all about. Now our society, as I said, we don't really understand covenant. We don't speak covenant language. We don't operate on a covenant basis. We tend to think more in terms of a contract uh, than we do a covenant. As a matter of fact, our whole society is not big on long-term commitments. We like to get in and get out at will. And we see that in so many areas of our culture. For instance, if you watch reality shows and some of the contests that are there, you know, you can uh, get kicked off of a program. If you don't perform just right, you're gone. Because there's no relationship there. It's just competition. If you're dating someone in America, you can get dumped because someone else comes along that might offer a little more. If you're in social media, um, you can get tired of someone and just simply unfriend them and they just go away. In the corporate world, there's no relationship, there's no commitment. It's all about profits and you can't count on any loyalty there any longer. As a matter of fact, I saw an advertisement the other day. How many of you remember the Verizon guy that came on the scene about seven or eight years ago, you know? Remember that goofy guy that kept saying, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And he just about ran us nuts with that. Can you hear me now? Can you? Guess what? He's with Sprint. How could he do that? Well, that's the world we live in. As a result... Our nation, our culture is lonely, it's fractured, and uh, the courtrooms overrun and families are divided because we don't know how to build long-term committed relationships that are healthy, mutually beneficial, and that can endure the test of time. But God is a covenant-making God. As a matter of fact, this is the way God connects and interacts with man. He writes a covenant offer, and he invites man to come into covenant relationship with him. Of course, there is the old covenant and the new covenant, but even beyond that, there are nine distinct covenants that God offered to man. There was a covenant in Eden. There was a covenant with Noah. There was a covenant with Abraham. There was a covenant with David. And the Bible is full of covenants, and all of these are examples of how you and I can live out the covenant lifestyle in this day and time. God offered a covenant, and it was the nature of the relationship. As a matter of fact, 
your salvation and mine, it's a covenant. Either you're in this covenant or you're not in this covenant, but salvation is a covenant. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the covenant of our salvation that Jesus brought to us. We'll offer communion because communion is where that covenant um, comes to light. And so that'll be next Sunday. I look forward to sharing that with you. And you have to know that God is committed to you. When you come into covenant with him, he's committed to you. It's not like if you do good, uh, great. If you don't, you're out. It's not like if things go well, like they should or they're not. God is committed to you. He loves you. And when he comes into covenant, it's impossible for him to back out or to breach that contract or not keep his end of the bargain. He is totally committed to you. You know, I believe that a person can forfeit their salvation. That's my theological position, that an individual can forfeit their salvation. You got into it on your free will, and if you want out, you can get out. But you know that God is never going to back out or pull out on you. He's not going to reject you, but he's going to keep working with you and loving you and helping you and forgiving you because he's on your side. He locked into covenant with you, and he will not let you down or pull out on you. Now, when people around you pull out, when that relationship breaks down, maybe you're betrayed or forsaken, you begin to wonder, is God going to do the same thing? God doesn't live on man's terms. He lives on the terms of his own character and his own word, and he will not let you down. How many of you are glad we have that kind of security in our relationship with God? A child of God should never doubt their salvation. You should never doubt your salvation. Well, in the world today, we think about contracts. We don't use the word covenant, but boy, contracts, they're everywhere. We know all about them. But there's a great difference between a contract and a covenant. And I thought that I could help you understand covenant if I would uh, compare it to a contract that we're all familiar with. First of all, a contract requires no personal relationship. More than once in my life, I've gone to a closing, and I signed papers and got into a contract with a lender that I'd never met, a lender that wasn't in the room, a lender that I had no personal relationship with, but I was in a contract. So a contract requires no personal relationship, but a covenant demands it. The purpose of a contract is to protect a person's rights and privileges. On the other hand, a covenant intentionally gives away more and offers more than is expected in return. The Bible is a covenant book, and it's a language of covenant. For instance, in the Philippians 2 and 4, the apostle said, Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. So this is the, the, the spirit of a covenant. A covenant gives away more rights and increases personal responsibility. We give away our rights. We freely give it. We're not forced to. We're not demanded to. When it's a contract, you live by the fine print. If it's in the contract, you've got to do it. If it's not in the contract, you don't have to do it. But in a covenant relationship, you live by the spirit of, of sharing and giving and preferring the other. So in a covenant we are willing to give. A contract can be mitigated in court. But when we break a covenant, we have to answer to God. A contract can easily be dissolved. 
but a broken covenant has eternal consequences. A contract just takes a signature, but a covenant takes a lot, lot more. First of all, it takes character. If you want to live in covenant relationship, you've got to have some character. There's got to be something to you. This is not just an opportunity you're taking advantage of. It's something that's going to require character for you to walk out. You can't live in covenant relationship without character. It's going to take will. You have to harness your will and keep it pointed in the right direction. Because as soon as you get in covenant with God, you get in covenant with the spouse, you get in covenant with someone else, things are going to change, circumstances are going to arise, and your will is going to come into play. You have to have the will to stay the course and to keep your word. And it also requires commitment, deep, deep commitment. When you make a commitment to a relationship, it will be challenged probably over and over again. But you got to hold to your commitment. At some point, a marriage comes down to, we said we were going to stay together, and bless God, we're going to stay together. That's commitment. Important covenant relationships in our lives are, are many. Um, first of all, as I've said over and over again, the, the most important covenant relationship is our relationship with God. That's the context of our salvation. We are in covenant. That is our salvation. The Bible refers to Abraham and God's relationship, and he says that Abraham was called the friend of God. The friend of God. You see, when you get in a covenant relationship, it's personal, and you become a friend of God. God is your friend. I don't know if you have a friendship with some powerful, influential person or not, but it's wonderful to have friends in high places. Let me tell you something. When you are in covenant with God, you've got a friend in a real high place. And he has influence and he has power to, to affect everything in your life. You are his friend. You're also in covenant with your spouse for good or bad or in between, for the short run, for the long run, for whatever happens, you're in covenant together in your marriage. You're also in covenant with your church. This is where God has you. This is where God wants you. The truth of life is there's always a better pastor. There's always a better youth group or children's ministry or music ministry. There's always something better down the street. But the real question is, where does God want you? And that's what covenant is all about. There's also destiny friends in your life. Not everybody is in covenant. Not every friend I have and I am covenant with. But there are some special people in my life, a group of people that we're in covenant together. And we're walking together step by step. And you know, we're there for each other for the big days and the bad days, for the good times and the bad times. We're there together because we're building covenant and we're walking together. And every one of you need to have covenant friends, men and women of God, that are not just acquaintances or someone you, you, you know casually, someone you've known for a long time, but someone that you are deeply involved with and that you're giving into their life and they're giving into your life. I'm not saying that you can have a covenant relationship with thousands upon thousands, but you can live a covenant life and have covenant friends. My great desire as a pastor is for you to have covenant friends in this church. 
People that you built a relationship to last the rest of your life. People that are more than just someone you worship with or, or, or work together for the Lord, but someone that your hearts and lives are connected. It's, it's like more than just friends, but there is a deep connection and a deep sense of commitment and mutual benefit that we hope to have for each other. I just pray that each of you would have these kind of relationships in your life and especially in these church. Covenant friends, destiny friends that make a real difference. And then there are alignments in our career and our businesses, alignments. They are relationships that God has brought into our world that have a positive benefit to our career pursuits. Whatever you're doing in life, whatever you're pursuing in life, God brings destiny relationships, divine alignments, people that he brings into your life. They may be saved, they may not be saved, but they're key people that you know are strategic to where you're going and what you're doing in life. I would encourage you that to, to look for key people that you feel like God is aligning you with that are strategic for you getting where you want to be and going where you want to go in your career or in your business. And so uh, all of these relationships can be covenant, but not all of them are at the same degree. Like the strongest degree is the blood covenant, and that would be our covenant with God our spouses is, is a second blood covenant. Beyond that, there are different levels of covenant. Not every covenant is, is at the same level, the same degree, the same depth. But you learn how to live out this kind of a lifestyle where, where you are, are, are committed and, and you're sharing and you're giving and you're being a benefit to someone else and uh, it is being returned to you. So I just want to take the time this morning to encourage you to build these kind of relationships in your life. You may ask, why is covenant better? Why is it better? Well, because you can't be happy, you can't feel completed, and you can't be fulfilled if, you're, if you have a foreboding sense of being alone with other people but not really connected. Uh, you know, you can be in a crowd and still feel alone. You, you can work in a large workplace and know lots of people and be known but still feel alone. You can even go to church. And be in a crowd of other worshipers and still feel alone. Covenant relationships makes you connected. It makes you a part. It gives you roots and depths. It gives you place. It gives you significance. And we have to have this in our life for us to be complete and fulfilled. The fact is, social media and the digital world allows us to be in relationship with many people that we call absent others. They're on our phone, and we're communicating and sharing pictures, but they're not there. They're absent. And social media is wonderful, wonderful. Not knocking social media. I'm just saying, if you think social media is going to feel the longing in your heart and give you the life you want to live, you're kidding yourself. Researchers tell us that people are getting so submerged in social media that they don't have a real life. They don't have real relationships. It's all digital. It's all someone somewhere else. And you know if you're online, you can be anybody you want to be. 
But if you're in the room together, it's kind of hard to fool people. You know, I, I, get, I, get, uh, I get requests to be somebody's friend. I'm looking at this lady's picture, and I'm saying, I know the name, but the face ain't no way. <laughs> because, you know, we can Photoshop these things, and we can just turn into somebody. It's amazing. But it leaves this huge emptiness on the inside. Covenant relationships is what makes us feel fulfilled, makes us feel valued, and makes us feel of worth. And I want to encourage you to enjoy all the wonderful digital and social media options we have, but make sure you have friends that you touch, you talk to, you can be with. Otherwise, you end up alone. Covenant relationships are safe, but not necessarily painless. They're safe in a sense that you can rely on them. They're safe in a sense that you know the other person is committed to your good. But they're not painless. The fact is, when I open the door of my heart and let people come in really close, I become vulnerable. And I'm probably going to feel pain. And I'm probably at some point going to be disappointed. And at some point, I'm going to say, man, I'm getting out of this thing. But wait a minute. I made a covenant. I can't. So I'm stuck. So I'm going to have to deal with the pain. I'm going to have to deal with the offense. I'm going to have to act right, do right, respond right. I'm going to have to confront. I'm going to have to deal with things. I'm going to have to reconcile because we're already locked in together. So covenant relationships are safe, but they're not painless. Covenant relationships are durable. We live in a very mobile society. Everybody's changing and moving, and, and it's all moving around. But covenant relationships supersede the mobile society we live in. They're durable, they stand the test of time, um, and they're dependable. And every covenant relationship has to be mutually beneficial, giving and receiving, giving and receiving, always hoping to give more than I receive, always hoping to be a bigger blessing than I have received of blessing. And that's what covenant is all about, having the privilege to give and share and feel like maybe you're helping someone to live a better life than they would live if it were not for you. Right. I'll tell you what makes you sleep good at night and feel good about yourself, even when you don't always do the best and don't always feel like you rung the bell and reached the mark, is knowing that somebody's life is a little better because of me. Somebody's life is a little better because of me. And that's what makes a human being feel significant. Someone's life is a little better because of me. And once you lock into that, you just want to spend your life trying to make somebody's life a little better. Can't fix their whole life. Can't live their life for them. But if maybe a relationship we have makes your life a little better, that makes me worth something. That makes me a value. How do we form covenant relationships? Well, first of all, you have to discern God's will. You have to know who you need to be in relationship with and maybe who you need to keep at a distance. Um, you just can't be close to everybody. You can't let everybody in. And you can't come in covenant with everybody you meet. 
You have to discern the people that God builds around you, and you've got to decide what depth of commitment, what depth of personal interaction you need with that individual. Sometimes we let the wrong people in, and we keep the right people out. I watch it over and over again. People keep the right people at a distance and let the wrong people come close. Now, folks, we have to, we have to decide who God is sending in our life, who we need to draw ourselves close to, and who we need to keep a little bit at a distance. You see, when a person chooses their friends, they choose their destiny. And we need God to help us choose our friends and choose who we're to be close to, choose who we're to be linked up with. We need God to help us with these things. We also need to know, have to know how to build meaningful relationships. Meaningful relationships. Relationships don't just happen. It's not like catching the flu Catching a cold, you just catch a relationship. No, they're carefully built one day at a time. And when we find out who those relationships are and we start building those relationships, we start increasing the commitment to that relationship. And then we just walk it out day by day, season by season, situation by situation. We just keep walking it out. And over time, the relationships get stronger and stronger and stronger. You know, as you know, this year, Renee and I are celebrating 40 years. And uh, our relationship just continues to get a little stronger year after year after year. That's the way covenant relationships work. And, and um, so that as time goes on, seasons come and seasons go and, you know, kids are small and then kids are big and then kids are grown and, you know, and, and life changes. And in every season, those relationships get stronger, and they adapt to the season that you're currently in. Just keep on walking it out. So if I ask you today, how's your life going? Are you living the good life? Well, your mind would probably race to the most hurting part of your life. Maybe all of us have some part of our life that is really hurting. It could be in our relationships, those primary relationships. When they're out of whack and, and things aren't working right, it can sure make life miserable. It could be our health because, you know, you can have great relationships, but if you're battling in your health, it's serious. It could be your finances. It could be the most important thing you're dealing with now, but, but it would be something like that that is stopping you from living the good life now. I want to close by rehearsing with you a story about a man in the Old Testament whose name was Mephibosheth. Now, when we first hear about Mephibosheth, he's not living the good life. Let me tell you his story. First of all, he was the son or the grandson of a king. But in his day, the kingship was moved from his grandfather Saul to David, which meant that he was the outcast. And for the most part, all of his family, including his fathers, his uncles, they were all killed as the dynasty of David began to take over. To make it worse, when he was a small boy and he was fleeing for his life, he was injured in his feet and he could not walk. And so he has not only been rejected, his whole destiny seems to have been deferred from being the grandson of a king and lying to the throne to being a poor beggar, 
lame in his feet, hiding, secluded, living in isolation, hand to mouth, no way to make a living, can't even live his life out in public. Mephibosheth is not living the good life. He's just trying to stay alive. It's just survival for him. He's crippled. He's more than poor. He's living in isolation, hiding, thinking any day they're going to find him and they're going to take his life like all the other sons of Saul. But then something wonderful happened. You see, King David was in a covenant with Mephibosheth's father. And when David and Jonathan made a covenant as friends, they swore to each other's defense, not only for each other, but even for their children. And after David is king, and by and large all the sons of Saul have been killed, David remembers his covenant with his friend Jonathan. And he asked the question one day, is there anyone left in the house of Jonathan that I can be good to? Jonathan was my friend. We were in covenant together, and if there's any of his family members left, I want to live out my covenant with them. And so somehow the word got around and suddenly Mephibosheth was revealed. He'd been living in hiding, just trying to exist. But somehow he's discovered and they bring him before King David. He must have surely thought, this is the end of my life. All of my brothers and all of my uncles and all of my family's been killed and I'm the only one left. And now after this miserable life I've been living, I guess it's about over with. But when he got in the presence of David, instead of finding the sword, he found a covenant relationship, a covenant that he'd established with his father, Jonathan. And David restored him. He fed him at the king's table. He made him a part of his household, and he made sure that Mephibosheth was never injured or harmed his whole life. So here's a man that was living a deplorable life with no future and no hope of tomorrow. But because of a covenant relationship, he was elevated from that miserable state and put in the king's palace and lived the rest of his life in comfort and ease and certainly lived the good life. And it was all because of a covenant relationship. And I want to tell you something today. I'm not saying that a covenant relationship is the answer to all of life's problems. I'm just saying the good life starts right there. It starts, first of all, by realizing that you have a heavenly Father that loves you. He's on your side. He's not angry with you. He's not mad, disappointed. He's not trying to get you, to destroy you. He's not into punishing you. He's into saving you, loving you, and bringing you into the best life you could possibly live. When you suddenly discover that God is for you, not against you, that He loves you and He's not mad at you, suddenly life begins to change. You say, well, Pastor, what about this area of my life or this failure or this sin or this bondage or these things I've done? Listen, Jesus Christ came so He can wash that out of your life. He came to say, I love you, I want to forgive you, and it doesn't matter to me. I can work with that. When a person realizes that God loves them and that He wants to save them, life looks a lot better and your future is forever changed. When you realize that this God that loves you so much that He sent His Son to give His life in your behalf, 
He also wants to provide for you and help you and, and, and give you the things you need and open doors and give you opportunities. He wants you to fulfill your dreams in life and do significant things. He takes no pleasure in his children living in poverty and, and living in pain and, and living in sorrow and grief. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his saints. He takes pleasure in the success of his saints. We're his children and he loves us. Covenant relationship saves us from a life we never want to live. If you're here today and you've never given your heart to the Lord, you're not in covenant with Him, but you can be. If you've never really made a commitment to follow Him, you can today. This is your opportunity. This is your moment. This is your hour. You just have to say, Father, I want to come in covenant with You. And I want to feel close to you, not at a distance. I want to feel like you're on my side, not against me. I want to feel your love, not your displeasure. All you have to do is just humble your heart, ask him to come into your heart and life, and he'll take you just like you are, start working with you just where you are today, start moving your life forward. Just like Mephibosheth went from being a crippled beggar isolated and on the run to living in the king's house whatever your state of life is today God can elevate it if you'll give your heart and life to him and allow him to come in and be your Lord and your Savior you know salvation is so stinking simple people pass it up it's so easy people don't even get it it's just simply giving your heart to the Lord and saying Father I want to be your son. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I give my future to you. When you do that, a covenant is established that will carry you throughout your life. It's not a guarantee you're never going to be sick, never going to be broke, or never going to have a problem. It just means that in the end, God will bless you and take you where he wants you to be. And that he'll walk with you whatever the road of wherever the road of life takes you and whatever tomorrow holds, he will be with you to help you and sustain you during that time. This is an offer you just cannot refuse. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads across the sanctuary and please allow me to pray for you. Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for offering us this unbelievable covenant relationship. I pray, Heavenly Father, for people here today that's never made the decision to follow you. Lord, let your grace and your love overwhelm them, squeeze their heart with love, and draw them to you by your great grace. For those, Lord, that have previously made decisions but haven't really carried them out, Lord, draw them in. Get them back restored and refreshed and renewed in their faith. I pray, Lord, that not one man or woman would walk out these doors without the assurance of your salvation. Finish the work that you've started today in Jesus' name. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, and if there's anyone here that would like to give their life to Christ or would like to come back to the Lord, I invite you to come down. Let us pray with you. Prayer partners, please come forward. These people will be standing here to help pray with you and kind of give you some simple directions. If you'll come down, it be our pleasure to pray with you. You can pick any of these men or women you shall choose. 
any of them will love you and pray with you. Take you where you need to go in God. All right? Let's stand together. And if anyone needs prayer or ministry, come forward. If you need salvation, come forward. Rededication, come forward. If you're here and you need prayer in your body, financial help, relationship issues, whatever is struggling you're struggling with, let us pray with you. God is here and He answers prayer. Please come down and let us pray with you. Any of these people standing here are more than willing and ready to pray with you about whatever you need prayer about. Whether you think it's small or large, doesn't matter. God's as concerned about the little things in your life as He is the large things. So whatever that is, come forward right now. This altar is open. Let's sing it one time and give you a chance to come forward. You're good, good Father. To you are, who you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am.